Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Many Ministries. And you are with the Word on Wednesday. As usual, um, I'm struggling with all of this technology, but one of these days I'm going to get it right. So we don't prolong the hour. Let us have a word of prayer and begin uh, our Bible study for tonight. Let's bow our heads. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you, to bless you and to praise you, for you are good and your mercy endures forever. God, tonight as we come to you, we come as an empty picture before a full fountain. Fill us, O God. Fill us with yourself. Fill us with your word, with your word that gives life. Fill us with your spirit, because the word without your spirit makes us arrogant and puffed up. Fill us, O God, in such a way that you are in absolute control of us. Oh, God, help us today. Oh, God, bless us as we go into your word. Be our teacher. Be our guide. Speak to our hearts individually and collectively. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we went to, um, as we went into the, the study, um, some amazing things happened, and I think I just want to move this a little bit this way, and hopefully it'll stand up for me good. Yeah, that works. Good. That works a lot better. Um, and we some amazing things happened. One of the things that happened is we learned that uh, in baptize, in baptism, when we are baptized in the name of an individual. We are expected, or it is an announcement that we are taking on that person's identity or his character, and we are enjoined in purpose with him. And so being baptized in the name of Jesus means that we will now take on the character of Jesus, and we will now live our lives trying to bring forth his purpose. Uh, We learned that last week. The other thing that we learned that was the major emphasis of the lesson was that racism, sexism, discrimination, 
wrong, that they shouldn't be a part of any Christian's life, and as a church that we are wrong for um, constantly segregating ourselves or constantly denouncing others because of what God told Peter, what God has called clean, don't you dare call unclean. And that cleanliness based upon an individual's response to the word of God. So in that was what we got out of chapter 10, and now we move on to chapter 11. And I, wanna, I want us to continue um, looking through that same lens, uh, because chapter 11 is really a continuation of a, a discussion of some things that happened in chapter 10. And one of the things that we have been, been operating under is or, or the, how do I want to put this? Um, the thing that we have been winding or seeing throughout these last couple of chapters is, whosoever will, let him come. And so I want us to stay along that same track of whosoever will, let him come. But I think what you'll see in chapter 11 is, the opposition to the whosoever will. And so um, Peter has overcome that because of a vision that he got from God. Now what we'll see is we'll see others who are asking the same question, who come with the same attitude that Peter had initially, and they will begin to ask some questions. And that's what we're going to see. But even more than that, what we'll begin this, what I'm seeing is a transition from the individual to the church. That's the second thing I want you to see tonight, that there is a transition from uh, the individuals who are spreading the gospel to the church spreading the gospel. And so... So uh, when Luke is writing now, he's showing the evolution of the spread of the gospel. And this has been going on uh, all, since about chapter 2, actually, how the gospel is spread. And so out Acts, what you're going to see is the spread of the gospel. And uh, eventually what we'll, we'll get to is an individual, Paul, who is really, really instrumental. He becomes the prototype um, evangelist, apostle, who is really out there spreading and planting churches. So with that said, let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 11 and just dig right in. Okay, I'm at Acts chapter 11. Uh, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard, I don't even like the way I just read that. Oh, I missed the whole word. Let me start over again. This is a smaller print, different Bible, same English standard translation, but you know. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea 
Ooh, this type is little. Let me try it one more time. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. <coughs> but Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision something like a great sheet descending being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angels stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same Spirit to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, so what's going on? Here's what's going on. Peter comes back to Jerusalem, and he is accused of being unclean. He's lived, and the accusation is, you went in to Gentile believers, and you ate with them. And Peter immediately begins to rehearse with them what happened and what was recorded over in Acts chapter 10. Now, it's interesting that they say that um, the, they said, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And specifically, it says in, in the second verse, it was people of the circumcision party who criticized him. Now, who's the circumcision party? These are a group of Jewish Christians who believe that the only way to salvation, that the Gentile could receive salvation was to move through the Jew. The only way that they could 
uh, received salvation from God was to become a Jewish proselyte. And last week we talked about what, it, what, what did it take to become a Jewish proselyte. Well, first of all, you had to believe in the God of the Jews. Secondly, you had to, be, you had to pray to that God. Thirdly, you had to um, give alms or do good works like the Jews were supposed to do. Then fourthly, you had to undergo the rite of circumcision. And finally, you had to be baptized. And so once you went through all of that and began, you, you became a, a Jewish proselyte and you were accepted amongst the Jews. Uh, so you were accepted to do what? Well, you had to you know, obey all their dietary rules. You had to obey all their sacrificial rules. You had to also um, uh, participate in all the Jewish feasts. All of the laws of the Jews became um, a part of you. And so these people are now saying to Peter, number one, you can't, they can't come in here like this. You have to come this way or you don't come at all. And Peter's response to them is, not so. Here's what happened. First of all, he explains why he did what he did. And he says, look, this is a move of God. This is not me doing this. I mean, when it, when it came to me, I told I told the Lord himself, look, you know nothing. I ain't never put nothing uh, unclean in my mouth. I don't practice that. I am a good Jew. What does this mean to us tonight? What does this mean to us tonight? You see, remember last week we talked about cleanliness. Remember we talked about um, we talked about the things that it take that that uh, to be declared clean in God's eyesight to um, how do I want to put this? To become acceptable to God, it all depended on only one thing, and that is your faith response to receiving the word of God. So if you responded affirmatively by faith when you received the word of God, then God considered you clean. So again, you could be whoever, whatever, whenever. And that's why we label this, 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 this uh, particular segment, whosoever will let him come, because everything is dependent upon how you receive the word of God. And what do I mean when I say how do you receive the word of God? How you receive God's offer of salvation, how you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, how you receive uh, the gift that God has given you through Christ Jesus. That's it. All of these jumping through hoops and stuff? No. And so one of the things that, that, that we need to realize, beloved, is this, that God's way is the way of faith. God's way is the way of the word, that we have no right in denominations, in our individual churches, in our seminaries, whoever we think we are, to come and say to an individual, in order to be saved, 
in order to be a part of the body of Christ, these are the things that you have to do. These are the hoops that you have to jump through. The only prerequisite to salvation is faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. All this other stuff, speaking in tongues, the special baptism, or, and when I say special baptism, baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or baptism in the name of Jesus, none of those impact salvation. And this is what we're wrestling with in the first part of this chapter, that these men have come in and they are imposing man-made rules, a man's understanding on salvation. And God, from the beginning, from the garden, from the time that man was kicked out of the garden, God had a plan that was one of grace and faith, that God was going to restore, God was going to redeem his creation. And his method of redeeming and restoring his creation was not through having us go through a bunch of hoops because guess what? The Jews had been jumping through those hoops and failing for literally thousands of years. And so God says, i got to do this myself. That's been my plan from the beginning. I'm going to give them my son Jesus, and the only thing they need to do is believe and accept him. Where do you get that from? As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. I believe that's, for, that's John chapter 1, verse about 14 or 15 or something like that. So those are the prerequisites. And then look at what it says. It says, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that lead to life. And how do they get to that statement? They get to that statement in verse 17. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So he's basically saying the evidence of them receiving the grace of God was that they had the same experience that we had and that was that God gave them the Holy Spirit. Now, you'll have some folk who say that um, that you don't receive, uh, that they can't believe that you've been saved unless they see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And when they talk about evidence of the Holy Spirit, they are talking about the outward manifestation of a gift, generally in some circles, it's the gift of tongues. I don't hold to that. And the reason why I don't hold to that is that I've been saved for, since 1978. No, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. 1972. I've been saved since 1972. And 
the bad English that you hear me speaking is not tongues. It's just me speaking bad English. I don't speak in an outward tongue. I don't have that gift. But am I saved? We'll find out when I get to heaven, won't we? But I know I'm saved. So, you know, the gifts are given as God wants to deploy them. That's the mistake. They think everybody, you're not, you're not saved till you speak in tongues. Oh, no. Or there's a lot of brothers and sisters that's running around right now wondering what their gifting is. And because there's not this overt, outward demonstration of the gift, they don't believe that they feel with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what filling with the Holy Spirit looks like. Filling with the Holy Spirit looks like you advancing the kingdom of God in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So you might have the gift of giving, or you might have the gift of of love, of being able to, to welcome and love people. You might have that gift that allows you to minister to people through service. You might have the gift of being a, a, a great administrator. There are a number of, man, of different gifts that don't, you know, make you turn backflips, make you get loud, make you do a whole lot of stuff that people associate with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes being filled with the Holy Spirit makes you sit some, get someplace and sit down and be quiet. What do you mean by that? Sometimes you, you, you learn how to hold your tongue by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's being filled with the Spirit, just sitting there being quiet in the midst of a whole lot of mess, and you just got a peace that passes all understanding, and you're just sitting there just as content as can be. You see, so don't get all hung up in the, 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 these gifts, and don't let anybody tell you that I don't believe in the gifts. Yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. But God gives them and deploys them and releases them as he sees fit. It's not, you know, I can't say that enough because so many people uh, look, at, look at people who are under the control of the Spirit and they say, ooh, it must be something wrong with me because I don't do that. You don't do that because God don't want you to do that. That does not mean that you're not saved. That does not mean that you're not sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. Get that in your crawl real quick. Now, let me move further. And so, and just to, just to cap this off real quick, because I only got, oh, I'm running late tonight. Um, just so you understand, okay, I don't minimize the work of the Holy Spirit. I emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit. But the manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit looks different, but it's all coming, working together to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, let me move further. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution, I'm at verse 19, that arose over Stephen, troubled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Let me stop. So now you're seeing that the Jews, and these are uh, most, most likely, these are Hellenists, by the way. These are Hellenistic Jews who were in Jerusalem who, because of the persecution that arose uh, after Stephen was uh, um, 
after Stephen was stoned, um, these they were driven out of Jerusalem. And they were probably driven out. Well, not probably. I know they were driven out. They were driven out by the Romans and the Jews who did not who did not accept Christ. They drove them out. And so these Hellenists, and these are Greek-speaking Jews, go back throughout uh, Asia Minor and Turkey. There, if you look on your map, you'll see that they, they travel around the Mediterranean Sea. And Cyprus is sitting right out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. You need, you need to really get on the map. You need to really get with the map. I can't show you on this video right now where they are, but Cyprus sits out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea close to Greece. And what you'll see is that it's the people from Cyprus, the people that are driven out of Jerusalem, and they're going to congregate in a certain area. Let me, let me get further. Uh, verse 20, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, Spoke to the Hellenists. Stop right there, okay? Cyprus and Serene, these are areas that are um, they're north of Jerusalem. And Antioch is located right in Syria. Most of the activities that we see, that we will see in Acts, are taking place in a very, very interesting place. Syria, if you look on your map, you'll see North of Antioch, northeast of Antioch, is a place called Aleppo. Last year, remember, it was Aleppo that was getting bombed like crazy, and we saw all those horrible pictures. That's the area that Antioch is in. Antioch is, um, like I say, just uh, Aleppo is just uh, a little slightly northwest, of, no, northeast of, of Antioch. And then as you go around and you, you see where Saul is from, Saul is actually from Tarsus. And Tarsus is located in Turkey. And notice all the conversation that we're having about Turkey right now? Look at the map and, 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 really, get, and really, really begin to study that map because I think you're going to see some things that, that, that you hadn't really considered before. Anyway, so who on coming to Antioch, I'm at verse 20, uh, spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in, those, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. 
And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So, when these people from Cyprus and Cyrene get to Antioch, and Antioch is a huge city in Syria. It is a very, very important city. It is a seat of education, but it was also a, a city that was filled with all kinds of vice. And we'll, we'll talk, we might get a chance to talk about Antioch a little bit more. But it's a very, very important city in, um, in, in Syria at that time. As a matter of fact, at this time, it is more prominent than Damascus uh, because of all of the universities and all of the learning that is going on in that place. Well, anyway, what, what happens here is that um, there had been a group who discriminated in their witness, and they would only witness to other Jews. But then there's this other group that comes in, and they're witnessing to everybody. And people begin to be added on to the Lord. And the addition, the, 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 the harvest is so great that they sin for Barnabas. Because the, 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 the church in Jerusalem, which is still the headquarters of everything, sends him out, just like they sent Peter out in previous chapters, to find out what is going on and is this actually a work of God. Barnabas shows up, sees what's going on, begins to, uh, to teach, realizing that this task is too big for him. Remember Saul, travels north, uh, north, northwest, northwest to Tarsus and gets Paul and brings him back down, and they begin to minister. Now, something happens, and this, and this is where we're going to close out at. The characteristic of Christ is being displayed. The character of Christ is being displayed in such a prominent manner that people begin to call them Christians in Antioch. Why is that? Because Christian, the character of Christ is on display in the lives of individuals. What's the character of Christ? The character of Christ is love. The character of Christ is unity. The character of Christ is sharing with one another. And so all of these things are happening so much so that this community of faith takes on the name of Christian. And they are sharing. And when they find out that there is going to be a famine, what's the first thing they do? They say, as according to what we have, we're going to share. One of the characteristics of a Christian is that he, he or she is generous, is charitable, practices charity, practices love. So it's I want you to get that. That's where I'm going to have to leave you off today, being able to practice charity and love. You know, we always, there's, there's times when we as a church, we're constantly figuring out ways to divide ourselves and distinguish ourselves as apart from one another. We're supposed to be separate from the world. And when I say separate from the world, our ways, the way we live our life, 
their lives is in direct contrast with what the way the world lives. The world has a philosophy of, you know, I got to get mine and I ain't worried about anybody else. But in the household of faith is we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to share with each other. We show the love of Christ by giving and taking care of each other, um, being concerned about each other. That's, that's, that's the mark of a Christian. What did Jesus do? Even going to the cross, he was taking care of folk even while he was on the cross. What's one of the last things you hear him say? He says to John, he says, John, my mama, take care of her. Isn't that right? And so as Christians, I think one of the things that we have, have done and one of the things that we do wrong is um, we are thinking too much about our own self and not thinking about the ones around us. And I'm talking specifically about other Christians, especially in the household of faith, especially in, the, in your individual church. When you are in your church, when you're in, when you're in with the believers, you ought to be concerned about them. And not, not just when you're looking at them, all the time. When there's a funeral, I remember at the old church, when there was a funeral, the pastors would get mad when the church didn't show up to support that person who had lost somebody. Somebody is walking around there without, and you got it. We got, we got to make sure that we do a better job of that, of showing the unity. Right now we're into this thing, and I must close off with this. Right now we're into this thing about elevation. And how God has blessed us to be elevated to this level in the church. That is not biblical at all. As a matter of fact, I've never seen any place in the Bible where it talks about uh, elevation that gives you prominence and position. You know what Jesus said? And the greatest of these shall be a servant. So if you get elevated in God, what that means is that you have the ability to serve more people. But now what we think about elevation is we think that when we get elevated in the church, that means that somebody's going to serve us. No. As a matter of fact, Jesus talks about, he says, he says you're not going to do it the way the, 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 that the pagans do it. You're not going to do it the way the Gentiles do it. He says, the greatest among you shall be a servant to all. And how do we serve? We serve. Some of us labor in the word. Some of us, um, are, you know, the deacons and, uh, that I know of, they're running around making sure that everything is all right within the body of Christ. They're going around making sure that people have what they need not only have what they need, but I remember one deacon that I served with, his, his gift was being able to repair stuff. And this deacon was always going out helping somebody repair their house. He even came and helped me several times. 
That's what the body of Christ is all about. It's not about, you know, us picking some individual out and serving them. No. No, no. So let me wrap up. Our Christian character should be on display. Our love for one another should always be evident, so much so that the world looks at us and says, that's a Christian. That's the latter part of the chapter. The former part of the chapter is, as a Christian, and I said it last week and I'll say it again, we got no business discriminating. We've got no business putting up barriers to entry that God puts up the only barrier, and that barrier is one of faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you want, if you want faith, if you want people to respond to God in faith, then you better get out there and start preaching and sharing the word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we don't speak it, God does not get the opportunity to open up their ears so they can receive his word, so they can receive his, his grace to hear and respond, in the, um, respond positively and be saved. So I listen for the night. That's chapter 11. Uh, I pray that you've had a wonderful night. I'm, I didn't go that far over. I pray that you've had a wonderful night in studying the Word. I pray that you go back and read these chapters over, that you examine what's been said, that you pray and ask God, Lord, did he teach it right? Am I learning it right? And, Lord, did he miss something that you want me to have? Because God will speak to you, and God wants to speak to you. But you got to let him speak by sitting and listening to him. Let's pray and I'm out. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, O oh God, that you are a God who blesses us. That you are a God who made it so easy for us to get saved. All we had to do is hear and accept you. And you even did that part because you opened up our ears that we could hear. And then, God, you gave us the hearts to receive you. God, how we bless you and how we thank you and how we praise you. Oh, Lord, now don't just stop at us. Don't stop at us. Continue, God, to, to work with people. Use us, oh, God. Use us that we might spread your gospel throughout the land. God, make us the church, make us the people that you have called us to be. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, that's it. Had a wonderful time tonight. See you next week for Chapter 12. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns with The Word on Wednesday. God bless you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.